0: So as these things usually happen, I was randomly scrolling through my phone and something caught my eye. And that's what I wanna share with you today. I wanna see if you see what I see, because it's very, very important to current events, to the end times, and all the things that are happening around us. Now meanwhile, most people are distracted by what's happening in the Middle East. So the big disclaimer here, which is a very big disclaimer, is that if you are deceived on the Middle East, If you are deceived on end times events in general, which most people are, you probably will not see what I see in today's article. So go watch my series, end times series. That's danceoflife.com slash end times, where we look at everything significant in the end times. Of course, there's a lot to talk about with the end times, but every major topic. And you unlearn the lies that you've been told. You unlearn everything that you've been told. Start from scratch because there's no position On the end times, whether you're premillennial, postmillennial, dispensationalist, amillennial, it doesn't matter. Every position is compromised, and so that's why I created that series, because in my own journey in trying to learn about what's actually going on, I realized that everybody has it wrong, one way or another, some more than others, like dispensationalists. So if you're a dispensationalist, you will not see what I see today and I hope that you will not remain a dispensationalist. But nonetheless, let's get to it. This is the article that flashed on my phone today just randomly, but again, I think that God brings these things to our attention, and so I felt a need to talk to you about it. Pope, the- Pope colon, theology must interpret the gospel for today's world. I'm like, huh, that's, that's an interesting title for an article from the Pope and from the Vatican. And the subtitle reads, in a new motu proprio, which is basically some sort of declaration that the Pope makes to the Catholic Church within itself, ad theologium promovendum, Pope Francis updates the statutes of the Pontifical Academy of Theology, calling it to a courageous cultural revolution. I highlighted that, and again, if you've taken my End time series, if you know Mystery Babylon, you know what that's all about, then you should zing up a little bit when you hear these words and you see them written down, especially from the Pope. And a commitment to dialogue in the light of revelation. So let's see what the theology for Pope Francis is or what the approach in the future is going to be. A church that is synodal, missionary, and goes forth needs a theology that goes forth too, of course. That's the thought behind Pope Francis's new Motu Proprio ad Theologiam Promovendam, Dated 1st November, 2023, which updates the statutes of the Pontifical Academy of Theology. Gosh, so official. Established canonically by Clement the 11th on 23 April, 1718, with the brief inscrutabili, that means inscrutable, of course, we're the infallible man of sin that cannot commit any mistake, the academy aimed to place theology at the service of the church and the world. Now, if you know what speak is, you know what the snake does, and you know how the snake speaks. These things should be a red flag to you. It evolved over the years into a group of scholars called to investigate and deepen theological themes of particular relevance, i.e. how to Catholicize the world. Now, for the Holy Father, again, that should ring a bell, because there's only one person in the universe whose name is Holy Father, and that is Father God the Almighty not a man, not a man that's in place of Christ, not a man that claims to forgive sins, sits between the cherubim. You have to realize this, folks, that this is the beast, the man of sin. Of course, the beast is a system, but the little horn power has a personal representative. This is what Daniel and, and John were warning you about, not some Zionist little piece of land in Israel. It is time to revise the norms that regulate its activities to make them, quote, more suited to the mission that our times impose on theology. Gosh, yeah, we need to Catholicize the world, so we need a new strategy. This is how you read this article. Moving on. Opening up to the world and to humanity with its problems, its wounds, its challenges, its potential. Theological reflection must make room for an epistemological and methodological rethinking and is therefore called to a courageous and cultural revolution. Gosh, you know, you have to learn to read between the lines when you read these things, because if you read them on face value, it just sounds like, yeah, sign me up, man. Where's the mark? Let me take it right now. That sounds great. What is needed is a fundamentally contextual theology. That's an interesting statement, writes the Pope. Capable of reading and interpreting the gospel in the conditions in which men and women live daily in different geographical, social, and cultural environments. What does this even mean, people? You ever ask yourself, like, if you ever read this kind of stuff, like, what does he actually mean? And if you know who the beast is, you know what Mystery Babylon is. You know what the prophets warned you about. You know the history of the beast. Then you know what this is about. Dialogue with different traditions and disciplines. Theology must develop in a culture of dialogue and encounter between different traditions and different disciplines, between different Christian denominations and different religions. Again, what is he talking about here? He's talking about ecumenism. Theology is objectively true. It should be, at least. Do you see see where this is leading to? And, And the underpinnings are basically ecumenical and relativistic. Theology must develop in a culture of dialogue and encounter between different traditions and different disciplines, between different Christian denominations and different religions. Well, listen, if you're the truth, if the cat, let's say the Catholic Church is the mother church, right? She supposedly is the one with the true theology. Then what? What does these these other denominations are wrong, according to you? So, what? The, how can you develop your theology in relation to? these interdisciplinary interactions. No, the gospel is the truth. Of course, the Catholic Church doesn't have the truth when it comes to theology. It's the exact opposite. But the gospel is the truth. The gospel doesn't change in accordance to culture, in accordance to, you know, people's struggles. In fact, it becomes more meaningful in a time of struggle and strife and suffering. You don't adapt the gospel In fact, the gospel warns you that if you change the gospel, you change the words, if you preach a different kind of gospel, you're cursed. And of course, the Catholic Church is cursed because she will be judged at the end of time when Christ returns. Moving on, it must engage openly with all believers and non-believers alike. Again, if you know the world agenda and the coming New World Order Christian nationalist system that I've talked about over and over again and warned people about, me and maybe a handful of other people on the internet, uh, you know what this is about. This is the approach of transdisciplinarity, Francis specifies. The apostolic constitution Veritatis Gaudium explains that this means situating and stimulating all disciplines against the backdrop of the light and life offered by the wisdom streaming from God's revelation. My gosh, it just sounds... Again, it sounds so good, but if you know who these people worship, you know who these people look for to the light is not the light of Christ. It's the light of somebody else. That's their God. And so when they speak like this, they speak in double speak. For this revelation, or for this reason, theology must make use of new categories developed by other forms of knowledge. What does that mean? How, how do you import? Other forms of knowledge in their categories, like, let's say, Christ consciousness. Oh, well, yeah, there's, we can use that. We can use, you know, all kinds of different terms from other religions and faith and disciplines. Because, you know, theology has got to go for culture. In order to penetrate and communicate the truths of faith and transmit the teachings of Jesus in today's languages with originality and critical awareness. Again, sounds so good but they could care less about Jesus's teachings. They really could. A pastoral stamp. Then there is the contribution that theology can make to the current debate of rethinking thought, showing itself as a discipline of wisdom to be a true critical discipline. Theology is a discipline that must not be abstract and ideological, but spiritual. What does that mean? What do you mean by spiritual, I wonder? Like spiritual experiences, like how the Catholic Church started the charismatic movement to rope in the Protestants and bring them through all these mega churches like Bethel and whatever the other way, Hillsong, and all the hyper charismatic experiences and the false signs and wonders that are happening in the United States. Is that, is that what we mean by spiritual? I don't know. Stresses Francis, worked out on one's knees, pregnant with adoration and prayer, a transcendent discipline and at the same time attentive to the voice of the people. He's the voice of the people. It is a popular theology that the Pope calls for, quote, mercifully addressed to the open wounds of humanity and creation. This is, you can read this word as climate change agenda. And within the folds of human history to which it prophesies the hope of an ultimate fulfillment. What does the Bible, well, I wonder, what does the Bible prophesy, Mr. Pope Francis? It prophesies that Christ will return and judge the harlot, which you are the man of sin representative of. And that it also prophesies that the harlot will come to complete power and people will worship the beast and the kings of the earth will give their power to the harlot and to this church-state-type system, which existed on the earth for over 1,400 years. Longest empire. Do you think it's going away just like that? It's not. And God has decreed it to be that way, to test the elected or remaining on the earth before he arrives. And of course, to reveal his glory when he does arrive and judges the whole system and destroys it. Moving on. In practice for Francis, theology as a whole must take on a quote, pastoral stamp. And therefore theological reflection must start from quote, the different contexts and concrete situations in which peoples find themselves placing itself at the service of evangelization. We're going to come back to this word, evangelization, but for now you can read it as catholization of the world because they don't care about evangelization. Certainly not this pope, and I'll prove that to you. But again, theology must start from the different contexts and concrete situations which people find themselves in. No, theology starts from the gospel, from the word of God, from the scriptures from the objective truth revealed to mankind through the Bible. It doesn't start from your contextual situation as a human being, what you're feeling, what your culture is, what your upbringing is. That's relativism. That is changing the Word of God to suit culture, which is the other way around. The Word of God should inspire culture To change. Of course, it's not going to happen because the world hates the Word of God. But moving on. Stagliano, a new mission for theology. This is a new mission. Of course, Catholics and their missions, they're always out on their missions, aren't they? Says the president of the Pontifical Academy of Theology, Monsignor Antonio Stagliano. It's the mission of promoting engagement and dialogue in every sphere of knowledge in order to reach and involve the whole people of God in theological research so that the life of people may become theological life. Again, double speak. What he really means here is Catholic life. So again, you know, this, all this stuff may just kind of go over your head if you are deceived about end times events. If you do not have the context of who Mystery Babylon really is, who the first beast of the sea really is, who the little horn power is, if you think there's a rapture, if you think there's only a seven-year tribulation, if you think there's a future physical reign of Jesus in Jerusalem for a thousand literal years, if you think maybe you're a post-millennialist and you think that we need to have Christian nationalism, and then Jesus is going to show up. A lot of deception out there, and I hope, again, that maybe wherever you are, because they all, all the positions have problems with them, that you find this interesting enough to go and do a little more research. But let's look at some more articles to see what the theology of the people has to say. This is from Breitbart. Pope Francis urges Christians not to try to convert non-believers. So now put the two together. If he's saying in this new thing to his theological academy, to the pontifical academy, oh, we need a theology of the people. What? Is, what how do you make sense of this? Well, you make sense of it very clearly, if you understand your history, that the Catholic institution has always been about freedom of religion in places where it is not dominant. But in places where it is dominant, not so much. Don't, evan- don't evangelize. We don't need to evangelize people. Let's not evangelize. We just not convert non-believers. Don't, don't worry about it. This is the man that's supposed to represent Christ on earth. Of course, we all are representatives of Christ in some sense. We're made in the image of God. And being a born-again believer, you are a new creation. So it fulfills that image of God back in Genesis. So you don't need the Pope to represent Christ. We're all supposed to represent Christ to one another. But nonetheless, this is the person that supposedly is supposed to do that. And he's telling you that you don't need to convert nonbelievers. It's okay. Yeah, theology of the people. This one is from Haritz. Jewish leaders meet Pope Francis, commemorate decree repudiating the idea that Jews killed Jesus. Rabbis present Pope Francis with Jewish response to 1965 Nostra Etate, declaration recognizing common ground with Catholics. Really? Common ground with Catholics. Isn't that interesting? While stressing irreconcilable theological differences. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll get over that as soon as all this Third Temple stuff will be built. Half a century after the Second Vatican Council published its groundbreaking declaration on interfaith relations, meaning you will all come back to us at some point. Among other things, exonerating the Jews as a whole for Christ's death. A delegation of Jewish leaders met on Thursday with Pope Francis to mark the event and blah, 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 and to reward him for making their damnation official. So do you realize how significant this is? In the Old Testament, when you had sacrifices, like a sin offering, the person who was guilty had to kill the sin offering so that he could be, or he or she, but usually it's representative system so the man would do it, that he would be forgiven. Do you see why this is so important that the Jews and Gentiles killed Jesus and why God choreographed it that way? Read Acts 4, 26 through 27. Very clearly so. The the cross was predestined. Who was gathered against Jesus? Was it just the Gentiles? No. The Pharisees, the Sadducees, all the Jews, and of course, the Gentiles. Everybody was guilty of killing Jesus because he was the sin offering that was typified in the Old Testament. He was the ultimate sin offering for the sins of the world. And so it wasn't just a Jewish thing, and it wasn't just a Gentile thing. Everybody was guilty. And of course, by having guilty hands and and committing him to his death, everybody was forgiven. Do you see the point here? And do you see how evil it is, how absolutely, invertingly, satanically evil it is to say, well, the Jews didn't kill Jesus. You're exonerated. As if you had the power to exonerate them in the first place. That's another offense to God. But you're exonerating the Jews, meaning, no, 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 you don't need to be forgiven by God. It's okay. You're going to go to hell. Do you see Do you see how evil this is? And do you see how the man of sin basically is in life with his popular theology? People are watching the Middle East, but they should be watching this. Vatican News, Pope to LGBT Catholics, God is Father who does not disown any of his children. Okay, first off, I have a short video or an article, depending on what you like to do, whether you like to read or or watch things, titled, Is Everyone a Child of God? And the answer is no. The Bible clearly teaches that in order for you to be a child of God, you have to be adopted because we are children of disobedience. Through Adam, our federal representative, we lost our inheritance that God gave to mankind. We're children of the rebellion. You're children of the devil. Until you are born again, you are the devils. And of course, being born again, you become a new creation. You, You are adopted. And when you are adopted, you also receive the Holy Spirit. And when you receive the Holy Spirit, you want to do things differently. You do not hang on to something as serious as an LGBT lifestyle. There's no such thing as an LGBT Christian. There's no such thing as an LGBT Catholic, of course. To the Pope, there is. You see what he's doing? Oh, no, no. All his children. That means he's basically saying it's okay for you to be living this affront of a lifestyle to God that he condemns over and over in his word. It's okay, you're still his child, even though you have something that is a massive rebellion to the Word of God. Now look, it's okay to struggle with those things. It's okay to, to make mistakes, to struggle, to, to really have a difficulty in that area. We all have things that we struggle with, even after we're born again. But if you're truly born again, your identity, in, your identity has changed. It's become an identity in Christ this is this is the thing to understand with all this stuff. Like, You're going to have lust. You're going to have attraction. You're going to have even maybe same-sex attraction. Maybe that's something you struggle with. And that's okay. God is forgiving and merciful, and certain things we have to struggle with maybe until the very end. But the, the point is this. Your identity has changed when you're born again. Do you see why this is so important? You don't have an identity of LGBT anymore. If you're truly born again, you renounce that. That's not your identity. Well, you're not identified by your sexual attraction. You're identified by the fact that Christ died for you and you are a child of God. And, and when you actually tune into that identity, you remember what the Bible says that we were bought for a price. So glorify God in your body. Meaning, I was bought for a price. I need to, to stand up straight here. Okay, not hang on to this identity because, well, God just has to love me because that's how he made me. No, no, he didn't. This is a result of the curse and of the trauma of the world and culture that you inherited and you agreed to, and God has saved you from that. So relinquish that identity. But the Pope says, it's okay, you're still a child of God, which, again, it's not true. Man of sin. This is from, let's see what it's from. BBC News. Okay, let's see what it says here. Pope Francis, Big Bang evolution confirm God exists. Really? That's that's an interesting thing because what I remember is that the accounts of Genesis are completely opposite to the Big Bang. The sun and the moon were created after the earth. All the animals were created on the same day. There's no such thing as evolution. Evolution is actually impossible genetically. If you understand even just a little bit of genetics and how genetics works, evolution is impossible. The evidence, the fossil record actually supports a worldwide flood, not evolution. All the things that evolution teaches are exactly opposite of what the Bible teaches when it comes to cosmology. So how can the Big Bang and evolution confirm that God exists? Do you see what's going on here? First off, the Big Bang was invented by a Jesuit, if you know who that is. I think his name was James Jean, or some J name, but James LeMatre. A Jesuit invented the Big Bang. If you know anything about the Jesuits, and certainly if you've seen my End Time series, you should, you know what the agenda is with all of that. It's to take God out of the equation. So here we are yet again, another another example of the popular theology The Pope supports evolution and the Big Bang, which is completely contradictory to what the Bible says. Pope to grant plenary plenary indulgences on World Day of Grandparents and the Elderly. 500 years plus later, hundreds and hundreds of years later, the Pope is still giving indulgences. Of course, this time they're not selling it, which, you know, I guess that's a step up. But what does the Bible say? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Wasn't that what the Jews believed and the people who wrote the Bible? But apparently, the Pope can forgive sins. Of course, he can't. And he's just granting indulgence to people and it's World Grandparents Day and creating this mystery religion out of pagan ideas and pagan holidays, celebrating, making this false calendar that has nothing to do with anything, but rather... Pointing you to the church, pointing you to the authority of the man of sin, instead of pointing you to God. The Pope cannot forgive sins. That is God's ability alone, because God is the judge. The Pope is not the judge. Jesus Christ is the judge. He can forgive sins. Now, there's a line in the Bible that I'm sure maybe some Catholics are thinking about. And look, first, I'm going to come back to this. This is not about Catholics. I have nothing against Catholic people. I went to a Jesuit high school, private all-boy Jesuit high school. Best of the best, man. And I went to Catholic elementary school. I was raised Eastern Orthodox. I was an altar boy. I was president of my church's youth group. So I'm very versed in institutionalized religion. I've been there, been there, done that. I have nothing against Catholics. I have Catholic friends. So don't take me wrong, but look, the Bible warns you about these things. And it warns true believers, the ones whom God has chosen to save and will listen to warnings such as these, and warnings, of course, from the Bible, which is even more important, to get out of her, get out of Mystery Babylon, lest you share in her plagues, because she will be judged. Mystery Babylon is the Catholic system that has set itself up between man and God to basically get worship. And of course, the man of sin is the personal representative of this power. Now, I go into great depth into all of this, if this sounds like news to you, if it sounds maybe you're offended by it. But either way, I go into great depth with so much documentation into my in my End Times series, especially the episodes on the woman riding the beast and Mystery Babylon. Check those episodes out and see what you think, because look, the proof is in the pudding, and God has given us ample proof through history and through prophecy, which both match, but the Pope is granting indulgences hundreds of years later, still doing the same thing. Pope Francis extends, let's see what this one says. Okay, here we go. Sorry, these things are just timing out on me, and so I have to reload them, but Pope Francis extends Catholic priests' power to forgive abortion you got a picture of the Pope making this nice official announcement. I mean, look, again, who can forgive sins but God alone? Do you see what he's doing here? Oh, thank you, Pope. Thank you for giving us now some more power to forgive sins, for making us more like God. Of course, they're so deceived that they think this is a good thing. This is, what a blessing. What a, Oh, what a good Pope that he's giving us more power to forgive the sin of abortion. How horrible. How horrible. Instead of ministering to these people with the gospel and using this traumatic experience because every woman that's had an abortion most of the time you know of course there's the calloused ones that, that have no soul and basically have seared their conscience but most women in fact there's this um non-profit organization i forget the name now but they they run with these radiograms you know uh like the radio scans for the for the child for a pregnant woman and they basically their campaign is to to stop abortions, and so what they do is they they give these scans for free to women who are pregnant, and I think something like either a hundred percent or ninety percent of the women like decide against it. Like, okay, I'm not having an abortion as soon as they see life and what they're dealing with, and 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 re soften their conscience. But of course, there are the the few liberal crazies that that have no conscience, and they think that abortion is health care, and they've they've seared what God has given to them. But the point is this. Most women have a lot of regret with these things, and this is an opportunity to minister the truth to them, the truth of the gospel, that number one, you're guilty of murder, and you, of many other things, of course, we're all guilty, but that requires your life at God's hands, that you killed another life. That requires the life at at God's hands. And God will have your life if you do not repent and believe the gospel. And what's the gospel? What's the solution? Give me the solution. I'm guilty of death. And the only way I can make myself right with God is to give him my life. That is the only way, because he's a just God. It's okay. There's a savior that already paid the price that you owe a thousand times. He paid the price, and his name is Jesus. And if you have a trusting belief, trusting faith in him, and his work as payment for you, then you're saved. And that's the moment when somebody can either choose to accept it, or, again, you know, we don't know what God's plan is for people in life, but when they accept it, they become a new creation. God gives them a new heart, a new soul, a new way of being, a new purpose in life, new desires, okay? He remakes them as a person. Now, of course, God saving you. I'm going to make a very important asterisk here because this is another problem with Catholicism, which I didn't cover in these articles, but either way, I covered it in the series. Catholicism is synergistic, which is why they're very works-based. Synergism in, in theology and talking about salvation is that you do something and God does something. We both kind of do stuff. God saved you, but, you know, you have to activate that salvation through your free will, through your choice to believe. So, therefore, you can also lose your salvation. Well, if you can lose your salvation, just like you chose to be saved, you can choose to stop, you know, being saved. Then you have to work to maintain your salvation. Do you see how the onus, the, the focus is on you? and not on God's perfect work, and how God sustains his people, and how God completes everything he does, and how God is able to persevere you. It's, the gospel is God-centered. Synergism is man-centered. And so this is the asterisk that I wanted to add, very importantly, that it's not you who believe out of your own ability somehow, because we're all desperately wicked. We're all dead in sin. How many times does the Bible say you're dead in sin? Not wounded, not dying in sin, but dead, meaning incapable of doing anything for yourself. And so this is just another way that the Catholic Church differences itself from the gospel, from the truth, because the Catholic Church, like every other mystery religion, paganism, New Age, Judaism... Islam, they're all synergistic, meaning you got to do something. There is no other religion, or I should say not even religion, I hate to use the word religion, way of life, path, belief system, like the gospel. The gospel is unique, and one of the reasons that it's unique, probably one of the biggest ones, is that it's monergistic, not synergistic. So a couple of theological terms for you today. Monergistic means God is doing the work through and through. You, you rest in God's work in the past, you rest in God's work in the present, meaning he is the one keeping you and giving you strength, and even though you feel like you're making a mistake or drifting away, you trust in his ability to bring you back because he is faithful to his word, and he's doing the work in the future in the sense that he's bringing about everything, he's completely sovereignly control or in control over time. There's nothing we need to do to bring about the end times, like post millennialists believe, which, by the way, is very much like the Talmudic Jewish belief of the Messiah, that you need to do something to bring about the return of the Messiah, which is really setting you up for the Antichrist to walk in and say, oh, you did it, I'm here. Here's the golden age paradise everybody's been waiting for, which, by the way, will happen. So be ready. Watch my false Christ episode. Watch the Satan's counterfeit episode, which I just published a couple days or weeks ago. I don't even remember. Everything kind of blurs into one these days. But look, Catholicism is synergistic. The gospel is monergistic. So it's not you who believe out of your own goodness of your heart, or suddenly, you oh, something just clicked inside of you, and man, you made that right choice. No, it's God that has to irreversibly and irresistibly impact your life, just like he did with Saul just like he does throughout the Bible, God hardens many people and he softens them as well. There's plenty of biblical examples for that. There is no such thing as libertarian free will. God has libertarian free will. He's the one who can choose outside of circumstances and independent of all situations. Sure, that's why you are free when you're born again, because you get his will. You want to do the good and you're you're free from sin. You're not a slave to sin anymore. Do you see what freedom truly means? That's the freedom of the gospel. But the Catholic Church puts you into a rat race, a synergistic rat race, just like every other religion. Mormons, Mormons are some of the nicest people I've ever met, but most of the time, and again, I'm not trying to insult anybody, but most of the time they're they're walking on eggshells because you got to be good, otherwise you won't make it. Same with Jehovah's Witnesses, same with Islam, every other religion is the same because... They do not have the truth. The truth is monergistic, but you see, if you acknowledge the truth, there's only one option for that, which is the gospel. The monerg- monergism is exclusive to the gospel. The moment you go into synergistic territory, you there's no difference. You could be Hindu, Buddhist, pagan, New Age, whatever, whatever, whatever. The the devil doesn't care. Pick your flavor. Pick your flavor, and it's you know it's all going to be one religion in the end anyway. So just pick your flavor, because either way, you don't have the truth. So look, learn to read. Learn to read. It's very easy for me to digress because there's so much to talk about. But learn to read between the lines. Learn who Mystery Babylon really is. She sits on seven hills. She wears red and purple. She's decked in gold, very opulent, drunk with the blood of saints. She's called the great city that reigns over the kings of the earth. The kings of the earth fornicate with her. Do the math, man. The the Bible is exceptionally obvious on who Mystery Babylon is. It's not the United States. I'll make an episode about that in the future, too, because everybody thinks, you know, oh, Mystery Babylon is the United States, Babylon is falling, the deep state. So, so wrong. Wrong on so many levels. And if you're deceived, you're not paying attention to these things, to the snake moving in the background and reorganizing the world so that ultimately everything comes back to worship. The beast. And it will, because God has decreed it that way. So be sharp. If you haven't yet, check out my end time series, danceoflife.com/slash end times. And cling close to the Lord, to the true gospel, which is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Not any religion, not any denomination, but just the word of God. Until next time, see you later. God bless. Hey, thanks for being here. If you enjoyed today's show, make sure you hit that subscribe button. And if you want in-depth Bible studies, free resources, encouragement, or if you just want to get in touch with me, check out danceoflife.com. Until next time, God bless.